a journal of the plague year, being observations or memorials of the most remarkable occurrences, as well public as private, which happened in London during the last great visitation in 1665, written by a citizen who continued all the while in London, never made public before. Episode 31 Here is an account, as they say, ripped from the headlines. In the early fall of the year, following a week in which no fewer than 8,200 people died of all diseases, the plague began to abate, and the mortality rate dropped. No sooner did the epidemic begin to loosen its grip on the city than people began restarting their public lives in earnest, gathering in groups, visiting each other's homes, going to taverns, and returning to work where they had it. People who had fled the city, hearing this, began to return. Predictably, as their physicians and clergy warned, this behavior allowed the disease to rebound for a time, before finally subsiding in earnest with the onset of winter. The author wonders whether the precipitant disposition of people to disregard reason and common sense is the same everywhere, but will not commit himself to answer. Our own recent experiences, I think, argue strongly in favor of the proposition. It remains now that I should say something of the merciful part of this terrible judgment. The last week in September, the plague being come to its crisis, its fury began to assuage. I remember my friend, Dr. Heath, coming to see me the week before, told me he was sure that the violence of it would assuage in a few days. But when I saw the weekly bill of that week, which was the highest of the whole year, being 8,297 of all diseases, I upbraided him with it and asked him what he had made his judgment from. His answer, however, was not so much to seek as I thought it would have been, Look you, says he, by the number which are at this time sick and infected, there should have been 20,000 dead last week instead of 8,000, if the inveterate mortal contagion had been as it was two weeks ago, for then it ordinarily killed in two or three days, now not under eight or ten, and then not about one in five recovered, whereas I have observed that now not above two in five miscarry, and observe it from me, the next bill will decrease, and you will see many more people recover than used to do, for though a vast multitude are now everywhere infected, and as many every day fall sick, yet there will not be so many die as there did, for the malignity of the distemper is abated, adding that he began now to hope, nay, more than hope, that the infection had passed its crisis and was going off, and accordingly so it was, for the next week being, as I said, the last in September, the bill decreased almost 2,000. It is true the plague was still at a frightful height, and the next bill was no less than 6,460, and the next to that, 5,720. But still my friend's observation was just, and it did appear the people did recover faster, and more in number than they used to, and indeed, if it had not been so, what had been the condition of the city of London? 
for, according to my friend, there were not fewer than 60,000 people at that time infected, whereof, as above, 20,477 died, and near 40,000 recovered, whereas, had it been as it was before, 50,000 of that number would very probably have died, if not more, and 50,000 more would have sickened. For, in a word, the whole mass of people began to sicken, and it looked as if none would escape. But this remark of my friend's appeared more evident in a few weeks more, for the decrease went on, and another week in October it decreased 1,843, so that the number dead of the plague was but 2,665, and the next week it decreased 1,413 more, and yet it was plainly seen that there was abundance of people sick, nay, abundance more than ordinary, and abundance fell sick every day, but the malignity of the disease abated. Such is the precipitant disposition of our people, whether it is so or not all over the world, that's none of my particular business to inquire, but I saw it apparently here, that as upon the first fright of the infection they shunned one another, and fled from one another's houses and from the city with an unaccountable and, as I thought, unnecessary fright, so now, Upon this notion spreading, that is, that the distemper was not so catching as formerly, and that if it was catched it was not so mortal, and seeing abundance of people who really fell sick recover again daily, they took to such a precipitant courage and grew so entirely regardless of themselves and of the infection that they made no more of the plague than of an ordinary fever, nor indeed so much. They not only went boldly into company with those who had tumors and carbuncles upon them that were running, and consequently contagious, but ate and drank with them, nay, into their houses to visit them, and even, as I was told, into their very chambers where they lay sick. This I could not see rational. My friend Dr. Heath allowed, and it was plain to experience, that the distemper was as catching as ever, and as many fell sick, but only, he alleged, that so many of those that fell sick did not die. But I think that while many did die, and that at best the distemper itself was very terrible, the sores and swellings very tormenting, and the danger of death not left out of the circumstances of sickness, though not so frequent as before, all those things, together with the exceeding tediousness of the cure, the loathsomeness of the disease, and many other articles, were enough to deter any man living from a dangerous mixture with the sick people and make them as anxious almost to avoid the infections as before. Nay, there was another thing that made the mere catching of the distemper frightful, and that was the terrible burning of the caustics, which the surgeons laid on the swellings to bring them to break and to run, without which the danger of death was very great, even to the last. Also the insufferable torment of the swellings, which though it might not make people raving and distracted as they were before, and as I have given several instances of already, yet they put the patient to inexpressible torment, and those that fell into it, though they did escape with life, yet they made bitter complaints of those that had told them there was no danger, and sadly repented their rashness and folly in venturing to run into the reach of it. Nor did this unwary conduct of the people end here, for a great many that thus cast off their cautions suffered more deeply still, and though many escaped, yet many died, 
and at least it had this public mischief attending it, that it made the decrease of burials slower than it would otherwise have been. For as this notion ran like lightning through the city, and people's heads were possessed with it, even as soon as the first great decrease in the bills appeared, we found that the two next bills did not decrease in proportion, the reason I take to be the people's running so rashly into danger, giving up all their former cautions and care, and all the shyness which they used to practice, depending that the sickness would not reach them, or that if it did, they should not die. The physicians opposed this thoughtless humor of the people with all their might, and gave out printed directions, spreading them all over the city and suburbs, advising the people to continue reserved, and to use still the utmost caution in their ordinary conduct, notwithstanding the decrease of the distemper, terrifying them with the danger of bringing a relapse upon the whole city, and telling them how such a relapse might be more fatal and dangerous than the whole visitation that had been already, with many arguments and reasons to explain and prove that part to them, and which are too long to repeat here. But it was all to no purpose. The audacious creatures were so possessed with the first joy, and so surprised with the satisfaction of seeing a vast decrease in the weekly bills, that they were impenetrable by any new terrors, and would not be persuaded, but that the bitterness of death was past, and it was to no more purpose to talk to them than to an east wind. But they opened shops, went about streets, did business, and conversed with anybody that came in their way to converse with, whether with business or without, neither inquiring of their health or so much as being apprehensive of any danger from them, though they knew them not to be sound. This imprudent, rash conduct cost a great many their lives, who had with great care and caution shut themselves up, and kept retired, as it were, from all mankind, and had by that means, under God's providence, been preserved through all the heat of that infection. This rash and foolish conduct, I say, of the people, went so far that the ministers took notice to them of it at last, and laid before them both the folly and danger of it, and this checked it a little, so that they grew more cautious. But it had another effect, which they could not check. For as the first rumor had spread not only over the city, but into the country, it had the like effect. And the people were so tired with being so long from London, and so eager to come back, that they flocked to town without fear or forecast, and began to show themselves in the streets as if all the danger was over. It was indeed surprising to see it, for though there died still from a thousand to eighteen hundred a week, yet the people flocked to town as if all had been well. The consequence of this was that the bills increased again four hundred the very first week in November, and, if I might believe the physicians, there was above three thousand fell sick that week, most of them newcomers, too. One John Cock, a barber in St. Martin-le-Grand, was an eminent example of this, I mean of the hasty return of the people when the plague was abated. This John Cock had left the town with his whole family, and locked up his house, and was gone in the country, as many others did, and finding the plague so decreased in November that there died but 905 per week of all diseases, he ventured home again. He had in his family ten persons, that is to say, himself and wife, five children, two apprentices, and a maidservant. He had not returned to his house above a week, 
and began to open his shop and carry on his trade, but the distemper broke out in his family, and within about five days they all died, except one, that is to say, himself, his wife, all his five children, and his two apprentices, and only the maid remained alive. But the mercy of God was greater to the rest than we had reason to expect, for the malignity, as I have said, of the distemper was spent, the contagion was exhausted, and also the winter weather came on apace, and the air was clear and cold, with sharp frosts, and this increasing still, most of those that had fallen sick recovered, and the health of the city began to return. There were indeed some returns of the distemper even in the month of December, and the bills increased near a hundred, but it went off again, and so in a short while things began to return to their own channel. And wonderful it was to see how populous the city was again all on a sudden, so that a stranger could not miss the numbers that were lost. Neither was there any miss of the inhabitants as to their dwellings. Few or no empty houses were to be seen, or if there were some, there was no want of tenants for them. <laughs>